Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member special access to cool events behind the scenes footage and so much more plus you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon it's in you please be in it visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now that's podcast with an s thanks from kqed From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Nina Kim. Coming up on Forum, it may have been a tough year for podcasts. Tumultuous was how The New Yorker described the industry. Rough was how Vulture put it as money dried up and layoffs shut down shows. But a lot of exemplary podcasts did get made with the quality and variety listeners expect. What does an American look like? If you tell the story of America, whose story would it be? I'm John Cooper. And I'm Tabitha Jackson. And this is a podcast about mind-blowing films. I can't remember a time when I wasn't thinking about my weight. Mm, So many great listens from 2023 to keep you company on your holiday travels. We've got a panel to help you choose after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. What podcast this year made you laugh, cry? Gasp in public as you streamed it through your headphones. We want to hear your recommendations for must-listens, for all those people still searching for that perfect podcast to keep them company as they hopefully get a little downtime or while cooking or driving, heading home for the holidays. You can post your recommendations on our social channels at KQED Forum. You can email them to forum at kqed.org, and you can call in and tell us about them at 866-733-6786. Again, that's 866-733-6786. 6786. And of course, we invited our favorite podcast critics and makers back for another year end roundup of their best podcast picks from 2023. And let me tell you who they are. Will Williams is with us, CEO of Hug House Productions. Will, welcome back. Thanks. I'm so happy to be back. <laughs> Glad to have you. Also, Sky Pillsbury, author of The Squeeze Newsletter, which reports on the podcast industry. Glad to have you on, Sky. I'm so glad to be back, too. Great <laughs> to see you, Mina. Yay. And also, Ronald Young Jr., senior producer and owner of Oh Hits Big Ron Studios and hosts of the podcast, host of the podcasts Leaving the Theater and Wait For It. Ronald, great having you on. I can't believe it's been a year. I'm so happy to be back. Oh, my God. I know, right? Me this too. year literally flew by. And even though this was a tough year for the podcast industry, there were a lot of really great podcasts. And, Will, I'll start with your first recommendation, which sounds so fun. It's a fiction podcast called Dracula. Tell us about it. Yeah, it's Re-Dracula. And it sort of takes the form of the very, very, very popular uh, Dracula Daily Substack. The concept here is because Dracula is an epistolary novel, meaning it's told largely in letters, in diaries, in correspondence like that, each 
entry has a date. And each year, Dracula Daily basically just sends you that entry straight up the full text of Dracula on that day and you read along. Well, Read Dracula takes that and puts that into an audio format with full sound design, um, an entire concept album, a full cast down to each individual, like, townsfolk. Uh, Every single line that is spoken by somebody is acted by somebody in the podcast. So you listen along date by date as the story ramps up following these characters and it is so intense it is so incredible um you really grow to love these characters and be so invested in the story in a way that for me at least completely changed my take on Dracula I hadn't read the novel since probably high school and I think it probably fell flat for me a little but listening along as it went, ooh, I was so invested. And it was a it was an event wow. <laughs> in the fiction podcast space. Well, we have a clip. This is Kareem Cronfley's Dracula voice, and it is in that letter form that you're describing. Let's hear it. My friend, welcome to the Carpathians. I am anxiously expecting you. Sleep well tonight. At three tomorrow, the diligence will start for Bukovina. A place on it is kept for you. At the Borgo Pass, my carriage will await you and will bring you to me. I trust that your journey from London has been a happy one and that you will enjoy your stay in my beautiful land. Your friend, Dracula. (laughs) What narration there? I can totally imagine listening and getting completely consumed by this person's voice. Kareem is an astounding actor. I've been kind of obsessed with his performances just across the board, especially since he was the starring role in a very underrated, extremely beloved to me podcast called What's the Frequency? It is a sort of David Lynch psychedelic noir. Absolutely incredible. Um, He is so versatile and his depiction of Dracula here is unlike, I think, most typical depictions of Dracula. Um, He has the accent, but he isn't going hammy with it. Mm. He is playing Dracula very close to the text as this person who, or this creature, this figure who is ancient, ancient and so confident and so bored. You know, he has uh, these characters that he's just watching obsessively, like they are these little bugs for him to just poke around in a little terrarium. Um, it's terrifying and it is delightful. And I think that Dracula is a role that, you know, we have a lot of preconceived notions mm-hmm. with. We have a lot of these concepts, especially of image and of aesthetic. And without that visual alongside Dracula and with Kareem's like very dedicated, genuine, authentic performance, it gives a totally new light on the character Mm. that makes him, for me at least, much more terrifying. So the podcast is re-Dracula. All right, Ronald, let me go to you. Your first pick is You Didn't See Nothing, and we have a quick cut. My name is Johannes LaCour, and lately I've been talking to a lot of people from my past. A lot of people from my past. So is this podcast a memoir of sorts, Ronald? 
So it's part memoir and part investigative journalism. So we're finding uh, Johans LaCour is revisiting this 1997 hate crime that happened in the south side of Chicago. And that was kind of his introduction into investigative journalism. And what happened was there was this um, this teenager named Leonard Clark who was beaten into a coma by a gang of older white teens mm. simply just by being a black in a white neighborhood. So as we go on this journey with Johans, he kind of just tells us uh, what it what it meant to him that this crime happened then, how he felt about it, and how following uh, this crime and actually trying to unpack it and find out who did it, uh, it kind of had this just profound impact on him and his idea of what uh, restorative justice and racial reconciliation looks like. Yeah. Well, Ronald, you're a podcast maker yourself. You host podcasts as well. And I understand you really appreciated not just the depth of the material that he was delving into in this experience that he was reliving from his past, but that you really appreciated how he hosted it. What about that stood out to you? I think uh, Johans LaCour has such a unique voice, you know, um, and he speaks in a way that I really appreciate it as a black person, because, you know, a lot of times, and I think you've heard even NPR lampoon this at times, we talk about like NPR voice or the <laughs> idea of, uh, you know, what we sound like. I don't know what you're mic. talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the idea of like, kind of like the professionalism that comes with how we talk on a mic. Uh, Johans is 100% himself when he's talking on the mic as he is when he's talking off the mic. If you check his interviews, if you kind of just listen to how he speaks when he's just kind of off the cuff. It sounds a lot like the same way he speaks when he's on the mic. And I just found that so admirable and kind of inspiring because, you know, especially as black folks, we spend a lot of time code switching, you know, and, and I think anybody marginalized can talk to this. We spend a lot of time like code switching or trying to fit like the the more respectable or professional, and I'm using air quotes there, uh, kind of image that we, we feel like we're supposed to portray when we're in front of people or on a mic. And Johans isn't doing that uh, in You Didn't See Nothing, which makes the storytelling more authentic and very compelling because for me it's a voice that I'm very familiar with hearing you know within my community family whatever but like it's also good to hear a story this type of story told from like such an authentic place well let's hear a little bit of Johans a little more of Johans's voice in 1997 I was a college student with one foot in the streets that spring, a 13-year-old named Lenard Clark rode his bike into a white neighborhood. In Chicago tonight, a group of teenagers is charged with beating a black boy to a pulp and then boasting that they kept their neighborhood white. Lenard Clark is still in a coma. Me and my friends didn't know Lenard personally, but we felt connected to him. He could have been our little brother. That's You Didn't See Nothing. That's Ronald Young's pick. I want to go to Sky now because this is very cute. Sky's top pick is coincidentally Ronald's podcast. Wait for it. Wait spelled W E I G H T. So, Sky, you also get to tell Ronald, not just our audience and me, why you yes. loved it directly. Surprise, Ronald. I, I I asked when they were interviewing me, why when I was being interviewed by the producer about what shows I wanted to talk about today, I said, is it okay if I bring up a show that my fellow panelists made? And they said, they gave me the green light, Ronald, so I'm going for it. My favorite listen this year was Wait For It. And I think... One of the reasons for that is something that you were just speaking about when you were talking about You Didn't See Nothing, which also I loved. 
you were saying that when he spoke, he he was coming from a very authentic place. He wasn't doing the code switching. He wasn't speaking in a way that is just the way that you're supposed to talk about something in polite society. And I feel like you did the same thing with Wait For It. You were completely yourself. You dove into your own complex feelings about weight and self-worth, which is what this podcast is about, head first. And it was beautiful storytelling. And for me personally, I, you know, I think we all have someone in our life who thinks about their weight, who, um, as you said in the first line, and I think we might even have a clip of that, you talk about how you can't remember a time in your life that you were not thinking about weight. And what the show really becomes is this exploration, this what you call a thought journey to to grapple with your feelings about that. And I just thought that authenticity and the way that you were so honest about the stories that you – that you told. It was just, it really touched me. And I had to make this my top pick for today. Well, Ronald, the New York Times named your podcast one of its top shows of the year, and they described you as fearlessly candid as Ronald Young Jr. And I couldn't help but wonder, I, I mean, people might think it's it's easy to, to talk about yourself, but but was it fearless? What did you have to grapple with to be able to be so honest? So first of all, uh, thank you so much for including this podcast as as a part of uh, you know a, a slate of great podcasts for 2023. Sky, thank you, and thank hmm. y'all for allowing me to talk about it here. I, I wasn't expecting it. I, I'm a podcast <laughs> fan first. I like talking about podcasts, so that's like key for me. All of that being said, it is hard. It's very it's very hard to to talk about yourself in a way that feels uh, authentic and feels effective, and and kind of like doesn't start to feel self-aggrandizing. So mm-hmm. it's a bit of a a balance between, you know, being vulnerable and saying all the things and also uh, being effective in storytelling. And so I was happy that the show is resonating with people, really. Yeah. Well, uh, I I actually decided to listen to some of the wrecks and I started with Wait For It. So as part of my preparation for today's show, and I've only listened to that (laughs) because I got so hooked immediately, Ronald. So that's the only one I listened to pre-show. We will have more of our guest podcast picks and hear yours after the break. You're listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're talking about the best podcasts of 2023 with a panel of podcast fans and makers and with you, our listeners. Tell us what's a podcast you discovered this year that you loved and why. You can tell us at 866-733-6786, 866-733-6786. You can email them to forum at kqed.org or post them on our social channels. Kathleen writes, my top was Climate One. Gives info from a wide variety of writers, activists, economists, etc., about almost every aspect of the climate, economic, social inequity, effects, what can be done, what is being done. Despite dealing with a subject many are in despair about, the podcast often leaves me hopeful, a very special impact, and very informative. Let me go to Paul in San Jose. Paul, you're on. Yeah, hi. Um, I was calling in about uh, my favorite podcast. It's called Critical Role, uh, and uh, it's a bunch of... Uh, professional voice uh, actors that do like video game voices and such and in the podcast they play D&D together so it's long form storytelling uh, that's improvised real time and dictated by a roll of the dice and these guys are all plying their trade and doing uh, their voices and uh, it's, uh, it's a really fun time. <laughs> I like that. It's kind of like some of our shows coming together right now because we've done shows on games and now we're doing a show on podcasts. And it sounds like Paul has found a podcast that does both. Thanks for the recommendation, Paul. Um, you know, I do want to step back and talk with y'all and let me describe who y'all are. Will Williams, for people who are just tuning in, CEO of Hug House Productions, Sky Pillsbury, author of the Squeeze newsletter, which reports on podcasts, Ronald Young, podcast producer, host of the podcasts, Leaving the Theater and Wait for It. I wanted to ask you about this past year because, well, Will, you called this a weird year for podcasting. How come? Yeah, it's a strange year. I think there's something about being like fully question mark post pandemic that has led to um, a slowdown in production for some. Um, it's been a little bit of a quiet year in fiction specifically, which is it, my main domain other than read Dracula. Um, it's been, I you know, I think that we are seeing the sort of fallout from a lot of financial investment in podcasting. I mean, even just this week, we had the news of massive layoffs at Spotify. Spotify canceled uh, several large, very beloved shows. Um, I think we're seeing some big shifts in the landscape, and this feels like a very transitional year to me. Mm. Yeah, Sky, you wanted to I'd love jump to, in. Yeah, I'd love to jump in and just say that I... I I feel like we are, we've seen so many headlines over this past year. Podcasting is in trouble and, you know, the podcast industry is facing tumultuous times. And I want to challenge our thinking about that because I think that the that what we're seeing is the result of a lot of bad decisions that were made primarily to be honest by people who don't know how much it takes to make a podcast. They they don't make podcasts themselves. For example, Daniel Eck of Spotify, the CEO of that company, he doesn't really understand what it takes to make a great podcast, but he made a lot of financial investments in the space. And I think that he didn't think those through. He's even actually said as much on earnings calls. So I think what we're seeing right now is a correction. I don't think that what we're seeing is a problematic situation in the creation of making podcasts. The creators are out there making incredible work. But when corporate America gets involved and maybe overspends, and then they have to correct, 
you know, the people who bear the brunt of those bad decisions are often the creators. And that's what you're seeing with all of these shows being canceled and people losing their jobs. I think it's very unfortunate. I do, though, really feel optimistic that it's going to right itself and we're going to get back on track in 2024. Ronald, did you feel any of these shifts as you were making your podcast? Absolutely did. I. It's funny when I was making wait for it. I pitched it around to a lot of folks, and a lot of folks uh, liked it, like the you know the audio that we had. And we actually had a deal with the company that was going to work with us on production and all that. And they kind of strung us along for six months. And then in the sixth month, we're like, you know, we can't really do any new production right now. We have to focus on our work for hire activities because that's the revenue stream that they were using at the time. And it was kind of frustrating because after that, I kind of like, you know, set my face as flint and decided I'm just going to make it myself. I'm going to spend the money out of my own pocket and just be fully independent uh, because a lot of what Sky is saying, a lot of what Sky was saying is absolutely true. It's the decision making that's been uh, impactful to all of us. It's not that shows aren't still create shows are still creative. Listenership is actually up. People are listening more and longer than they've ever listened before. And we still want to make good content. The problem is the people that had the money uh, were making terrible decisions with that money. They were giving it to, you know, a lot of it was leaning on celebrity podcasts and get an overpaying mm. for always on content rather than kind of, you know, investing, p- coming up with a business strategy in which the the podcasts that made the most money were also supporting the ones that maybe took more money to create, but we're going to get more critical acclaim in the long term. We still haven't really seen that shift of thinking at the executive level to that. The rest of us on the ground, we already know the truth. You're, you're touching on content here, and I'm wondering if you could just say a little bit more about that, if you noticed how that may have affected sort of content trends this year. I mean, you know, (laughs) like if you look at look at what just got canceled, you know, like a show like Heavyweight, one of the arguably one of the greatest podcasts that's ever been made was was canceled. Yeah, (laughs) that that gets canceled. Death, Sex and Money, a great podcast uh, also gets canceled. Like you're looking at uh, Sam Sanders had an always on show just got canceled. And if you look at the trends before that in the year and a half or so before that, it was a lot of investment into celebrity chat casts. And they were spending a lot of money Mm. for celebrities expecting that they would see a return on those, but also spending far less money on podcasts that are a little bit more expensive to make because you spend a lot of time crafting together stories, uh, doing your interviews uh, of rich sound design podcasts that people really actually like. uh, And those are the those are the ones that probably should be those when you think about the margins and the returns, the higher the ones that have the lower margin, you know what I mean? Those are the ones that are more expensive, but you're spending more money on the ones that have a higher margin or higher rate of return. And it's like that funding structure kind of has to be reversed. You know, the movies kind of have it. You spend a lot of money on a, a, a tent pole and you use that money to make your critical darlings. And it seems it just seems like we haven't seen that. So the trends that we're seeing now is hopefully a retraction from celebrity and more spending towards like more of the craft podcasting. I think about the always on content that's easier and cheaper to make that you don't have to overspend for so much. Well, Ronald, you're making me think of another question for our audience, which is what is a podcast that got canceled this year that you want to shout out so that people can listen to it, listen to its previous um, iterations. Uh, we are hearing about your favorite podcast from 2023, your recommendations for must listens. Michael writes The Bulwark. It's a 
podcast where former and current Republican Never Trumpers discuss sometimes irreverently the issues of the day. So that's bulwark. Another listener writes the assignment with Audie Cornish. I love Audie's commitment to journalism. Audie's a terrific interviewer who asks questions I want to know the answers to. Fast politics is a guilty political pleasure with plenty of snark. And snacks is Lynn Williams and Sam Mewis. I hope I'm saying that right. Gabbing about sports and life, which I love. Politics and life, very much our listeners. And uh, Sky, we were just talking about money, and it's reminding me about one of your recommendations, which is all about class, actually. Tell us about it. Classy with Jonathan Menhevar. I loved this show. I I am here for awkward. And this show gets people to talk about something that creates a lot of awkwardness in society, class. And in fact, that was a theme, I think, for me with all the shows I picked this year. They were uh, uh, things that we don't normally talk about and probably need to talk about more, um, uh, as Anna Sale, the host of Death, Sex, and Money, often says. So Jonathan Menhevar, in this show, he speaks from a very personal place. He grew up in a working class environment, and he slowly um, started entering new new environments with new expectations in terms of class. He started working actually for Fresh Air, for Terry Gross. That was actually one of his first jobs. He's a podcast producer himself. And he recounts this story of how when he worked for Terry, there was this expectation that people would have seen certain movies like The Godfather, have read certain books. And there was this sort of expectation because that was part of the cultural expectation of the class of people who worked in public radio at that time. And as he moved through that world, and he's now working at a different place, but as he moved through the world, he realized that he was taking on some of those same uh, sort of social affectations. Um, He said that he actually used to snort just like Terry Gross did. And he said that he thought that he was copying her because he was emulating this sort of snort-like laugh that she had because of the class that she was in, which isn't something that would have occurred to me. But he he actually interviews her on the show and speaks to her about it, which is in and of itself a very uh, wonderful, awkward, authentic conversation that I loved. But he also brought on an expert, uh, lots of experts, one in particular, a sociologist, with whom he had a uh, a really interesting conversation in which he, the, the sociologist sort of interrogates him about his own feelings about elitism and class. And it's fascinating to hear him, someone who's clearly thought a lot about class, also be put on the spot. Yeah. We have an example of that. This is Jonathan speaking with sociologist Rachel Sherman about how far it really goes to be empathic to people who may be of a different class than you. And and you hear him struggling and learning in the moment. Let's listen. Part of it is, I think, just because there are so many people who are, um, they're having to work really hard to earn enough money to just, like, pay the rent and, and feed themselves. Right, but what kids. about that? And you don't understand that, you know, that, like, there, there are so many other people around you who are doing that. Yes. And if you understand that, why is that better? Um... Just because you should be like uh, interested in in other people's situations and empathetic, and if that's the case, does it mean it's okay for you to have the three million dollars? Oh God, <laughs> <laughs> that's a clip from Classy Sky Pil- Pillsbury's pick for one of her favorite podcasts of twenty twenty three. 
I want to go to one that isn't a fiction podcast, even though that's really your wheelhouse, Will, that you said you really enjoyed. Um, and that was Dear Alana. Tell us about Dear Alana. Yeah, Dear Alana is beautiful. Uh, this is a production by Tenderfoot. Um, it is hosted by Simon Kent Fung, and it is about the uh, suicide of Alana Chen. Um this is a story that revolves largely around conversion therapy. Hmm. Um, I grew up as a queer person who was brought up not religious in a very, very, very religious community. And I have always thought of conversion therapy as something that is done to you, um, something that you are sort of conscripted into. We can even see this in the messaging Um in things like, but I'm a cheerleader, you know, she's sent off to conversion therapy, right. not even really understanding what's going on. Whereas both the host and the subject of Dear Alana chose to go to conversion therapy. They they weren't religious, but they became religious. They had uh, their families telling them to, to not pursue this. Alana wanted to be a nun. Simon Kent Fung wanted to be a priest. Um, the two have a massive amount of overlap. They both were Catholic. Uh, they are both East Asian. Again, um, what they would say is, you know, struggling with same-sex attraction, or we can just say they were both queer. Um, it's a, a really beautiful story that is told largely through going into Alana's two dozen journals she wrote throughout her life and through this process. Um, it is a really important story and it's very beautifully told. Again, it's a, it's a hard listen, but it, it made me feel very connected and very inquisitive about this side of conversion therapy that I never even considered could exist. And you actually had an opportunity to interview um, Simon Fung about Dear Alana. We have a clip from that, but do you just want to say a little bit about why that was important to you? That was actually me, just oh, to clarify. Sorry. Yeah, oh, no, no. This was Will. This was Will's pick. Um, but I actually did interview Simon um, for my newsletter and spoke with him about why specifically he made this as a podcast. And so I think they pulled a clip of a moment during our interview. I was lying in bed awake at 2 a.m. in August, and I, Alana's story just kept on haunting me. I, I felt like the question of what would it be like to explore what happened to her and to do it, you know, and to tell it as a story. And the immediate vision I had was to do this in audio because I think all of us have that experience of being under the covers and listening to a pod, our favorite podcast and feeling so keen and, and connected to the subject. Yeah, I love that visual of him being under the covers, listening to your favorite podcast. It sort of also just tracks with the depth of the subject matter. And again, that podcast that both Sky and Will are fans of is Dear Alana. Ronald, I want to ask you about another favorite pick of yours. And this is Holy Week. Talk about Holy Week, which is also about another death, but a much more well-known one than Alana's. 
man oh man oh man holy week what a great podcast holy week is a podcast about the week after the death of martin luther king jr it's done by the atlantic uh by a fellow there van newkirk and it it kind of it, it starts off it's funny because it starts off talking about the apollo 6 mission which immediately as they start talking about it i'm like i don't remember this mission at all they kind of talk about the importance of it, how it was considered a failure, but also very important. But the reason why we don't ever talk about it was because it happened on the same day that Martin Luther King Jr. was killed. And it it, it goes along and it it's set largely at that time through archival tape and all that. They're interviewing folks that were experiencing uh, what it felt like to actually have this figure die, especially black folks. And it kind of talked about how the, the instability of the United States at the time created some circumstances in which a lot of folks were nervous about what happens next with black people were there riots will they riot will they will there be some sort of uprising and there were riots and there was uh there was a, a lot of uh civil unrest as we'll say at the time um and it kind of just takes us through what it was like at that time, how the nation felt about Martin Luther King, how other black leaders felt about Martin Luther King Jr. It's just a, a way of view of Martin Luther King Jr. that I've never heard. And I'm an 80s baby. I grew up hearing about Martin Luther King Jr. and the impact <laughs> that he had in the United States. Mm. This was a look that I had never seen before. Well, let's hear a little bit from Holy Week. I'm Van Newkirk, senior editor at The Atlantic. For the past year, I've been talking to people about the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. and the ensuing unrest that upended so many of their lives. What I've heard is a story about a break in time, a story that completely changes how I understand the end of the civil rights movement and the entire trajectory of modern America. That's Holy Week, a pick of... Ronald Young Jr. We're talking about the best podcasts of 2023, hearing your favorites and our panels. Also with us is Sky Pillsbury, author of the Squeeze newsletter, which reports on the podcast industry, and Will Williams, CEO of Hug House Productions. You, our listeners, are sharing your picks at 866-733-6786 by emailing forum at kqed.org, finding us on our social channels, or on Instagram, on our digital community, on Discord, and so on. We're at KQED Forum. And I also want to note that we'll have a list of all of our guests and your podcast recommendations on our webpage after the show, so you can check that out. We're going to go into the break listening to the theme music from Holy Week. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. 
We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. We're with a panel of podcast fans and makers who are sharing their top podcasts of the year. Will Williams of Hug House Productions, Sky Pillsbury, author of The Squeeze Newsletter, Ronald Young Jr., senior producer and owner of Oh Hits Big Ron Studios and host of the podcasts, Leaving the Theater and Wait For It. Wait For It was named one of the best podcasts of 2023 by The New York Times. You, our listeners, are also sharing your favorites. Martina on Discord writes, my favorite nature-related one is the We Out Here podcast. They talk with BIPOC people working in science and nature and have them tell stories of adventures from the field that are just amazing. They really freshen up the interview podcast format by breaking in the middle to have someone talk about their most memorable wild animal or hiking, etc. story. And they bring stories, places, and people into my world that I'm not familiar with at all. Bill on Discord writes, best new podcast I discovered this year is Stanford neuroscientist David Eagleman's Inner Cosmos. Each episode is seriously wow-inducing. And Matoki on Discord writes, I listen to way too many podcasts, but You're Wrong About remains an eternal favorite. I Said No Gifts and Why Won't You Date Me are great for when I need a laugh. And Maintenance Phase changes my perspective every time, as does... The Memory Place. Wow, that's quite a list. I'm not sure if any of you are familiar with any of the podcasts that just got mentioned. Uh, Will? Oh, yeah. The You're Wrong About Extended Universe, as I call it, is one of my favorites. It includes podcasts like Maintenance Phase, which was mentioned, uh, Decoder Ring, 5 to 4, which is a uh, quote podcast about how much the Supreme Court sucks, which has been very (laughs) grounding for me to listen to this year. Um, It's incredible. Uh, This entire connected universe of podcasts is, I think, some of the best uh, nonfiction sort of investigative setting the record right slate of podcasts out there right now. Mm. Well, I want to ask you about a podcast that you've described as an old school podcast, but that was new this year. The film that blew my mind? Yes. Oh, it's just darling. So this is hosted by John Cooper and Tabitha Jackson, who have both spearheaded uh, Sundance or had spearheaded Sundance for quite some time. Um, I found this podcast uh, through their episode featuring a conversation with Greg Araki on David Lynch's Fire Walk With Me. Um, I love art weirdos. <laughs> they are my bread and butter. And this is an old school chat cast, minimal editing. The audio quality is very dependent on the guest. And it is taking people from film or from, you know, film and TV, I suppose, and asking them, what is the film that made you see film in a new way? What completely changed your artistic trajectory? So, we have Greg Araki talking about Firewalk with me. We have Molly Shannon on The Wizard of Oz. Just a, an adorable, delightful conversation. I also really enjoyed the episode with Sterling Harjo on The Long Goodbye, which I haven't even seen, admittedly. <laughs> um, but I love love. I love passion. And I love artists talking about the art that changed them. 
Um, it was also especially refreshing to hear this podcast after the monumental and incredible WGA and SAG strikes this year. Mm. For those who aren't aware, uh, the audio world actually got quite involved, especially with the WGA strike, the SAG strike as well this year. Um, the WGA East has an audio alliance for everybody who writes in audio, whether fiction or nonfiction, that is free to join. It's not a union. It is just an organization. I highly recommend looking it up. Um, so after a year of, you know, these workers advocating for their rights, it was a really nice to return to just the love of film and what makes people so passionate. Wow. Well, it is always a, a marker of a successful podcast that they can talk about a film that you have not seen and still keep you completely engaged in what you're saying. And it sounds like that's the experience you're describing, Will. We've got listeners actually asking us for um, recommendations in very specific subject areas. So Daniel on Discord asks, do the guests have any recommendations for trivia podcasts. Anyone have anything they want to shout out on trivia? All right, moving on. <laughs> Adriana writes, could you talk about kids podcasts? My nine-year-old daughter loves Circle Round, Grim, Grimmer, Grimmest, and Greeking Out. They're all excellent, and I love them too. Oh, I like that kids podcast. And actually, when I was interviewing um, Glenn Washington, uh, a couple months ago about Spooked, that ended up actually also being a family podcast, like a family favorite. But don't know if any of you have a recommendation for a good kids or teens podcast? You know, my, I do. Yeah. I have... oh, oh, good. Oh, good. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Now we all got something. All right. Ronald, you first. <laughs> yeah. So I there is a, a studio called ABF creative i believe they're out of jersey and they have a lot of kids podcasts uh, a lot of them that i really enjoy there's one called camp red rum which is like little it's kind of like are you afraid of the dark uh for us 80s kids out there that are watching nickelodeon growing up but it's for kids of course there's uh charm words which are daily affirmations for children and then there's the adventures of cairo who's a, a young man that has a family that kind of goes on these little fun adventures um i love kids podcasts i grew up with them um but they're most of them, I, I used to listen to a show called Adventures in Odyssey, which came from this organization called Focus on the Family, which I know is a polarizing organization, but it really just got me immersed in these very, like, kind of descriptive, richly sound designed world. world. So, again, that's the Adventures of Cairo, Charm Words, and Camp Red Rum from ABF Creative. All right. Sky, you next. <laughs> I actually wanted to shout out a slightly different thing. Um, when you were talking about earlier, when Will was talking about listening to a show about movies, and she would even listen to the reviewers talk about those shows, even if she hadn't seen the movie, um, I wanted to just mention, because we are talking right now about podcasts and our favorite podcasts, there's a show called Crime Writers On, and they, are, um, they review podcasts that are you know, there's definitely a lot of true crime, but there's a lot of investigative shows. They even have reviewed things like Dolly Parton's America that wasn't true crime at all. So it's it's four hosts, and they talk about their favorite podcasts, and they do it every week, twice a week. And I actually listen religiously and highly recommend it if you're someone who's interested in sort of finding out what is, what's the buzz right now and getting recommendations. They even have a Google Sheet that you can access that shows you which show they've given thumbs up to. So that's another resource for people who are interested in podcasts. Well, this listener writes, I got interested in listening to podcasts as a way to survive 
Droughtlander, which for the uninitiated is the very long period of time between seasons of the TV show Outlander. <laughs> Matthew B. Roberts is a writer and producer for the show and interviews behind-the-scenes people. You learn a lot about what it takes to adapt the show from the Outlander book series. It is based on filming and production decisions and how to get the show to air. Noelle on Discord writes, I love the Death Panel podcast. It's about politics, culture, and political economy and hosted by sociologists and public health researchers. It gave me a refreshing new perspective about the response to the COVID pandemic and the state of our healthcare system. Ooh, healthcare system. So, Sky, one of the podcasts you loved was the Retrievals. Tell us about it. Yes, this is a five-part series. It was hosted by Susan Burton, who's an American, this American life editor. And in this role, she's sort of an she's an investigative journalist, really. She looks at the story of dozens of women who went to the Yale Fertility Clinic for IVF treatment thinking they were in the best possible place for something like that. And, of course, during that process, you have to go through something called egg retrieval, where your eggs are retrieved, literally, and then saved for purposes, uh, you know, for later. And this can be an excruciatingly painful process, which is why women are given fentanyl during the process. Um, That's what happens when it's a routine uh, uh, surgical procedure. But these dozens of women at Yale Fertility Clinic reported feeling the excruciating pain and mm-hmm. not feeling the impact and the aid of any kind of uh, any kind of opioid that would help them get through that procedure. And eventually what you learn, and this is not a big spoiler, you learn it, I think, within the first episode, is that the reason why they're feeling that pain and not getting the benefit of medication is because a nurse is replacing that medication with saline. She's replacing the fentanyl that they should be given during their procedure with saline. And this is a a look at women who whose pain is being ignored because of course these women report what they're feeling and they're told well it's in your head or oh it's normal to feel some amount of pain these women are crying out saying this is not this is not right and they're not being listened to and that's a pattern that i think we've seen you know i think most of us who are women have probably gone through some kind of a procedure where we felt that our pain was minimized, uh, particularly when it comes to um, things having to do with our, our, our reproductive health. Mm. And it's just really troubling. And it does culminate in a trial, which is just a fascinating, it has a fascinating, fascinating outcome as well. So I highly recommend it. It's an important listen, but it's also a hard listen. It's called The Retrievals. On Important Listens, Ronald, you had I Am America. Why did you like I Am America? Tell us about this one. I like I Am America because it's excellent storytelling. It's from uh, Tracy Ellis Ross and and Dear Media, and it's produced by uh, Nicole Hill. And it's it's just such a, a, a like I don't know if anyone remembers the earliest days of listening to Snap Judgment and even through to today, where you would hear a story and it would just the music would just put you in this relaxed mood and you were just ready to listen, ready to hear people share. I am America really captures that, but also it's capturing stories from marginalized communities that are also making their claim as Americas, as Americans, and also like talking about their contributions to society. Like there's one. Particular 
particular episode I talk about uh, by from a fellow named Richie Reseda, who is kind of talking about his own journey into discovering a kind of feminism and what that looks like for men who really truly engage in it. And we're talking about a young man who uh, w- would sell drugs and he was arrested and in prison while reading Bell Hooks, he kind of got more in touch with feminist thought and started trying to spread it amongst people uh, in the prison to some form of success. And it kind of informed him getting released and uh, it, it kind of informed him getting released and his new career path. It was just really great to listen to. And there's stories like that in each and every episode. Oh. I believe there's 10 to 12 episodes, but worth checking out. Well, let's hear a little bit of Richie Reseda's story from I Am America. They sent me even farther to this super racist corner of California, Lassen County. Susanville is the name of the prison. I mean, like, racist, like, they call me the N-word to my face there. All the cops were white. Being in Susanville, there were multiple riots and lockdowns as soon as I got there. It was a high-security prison. Spent a lot of time on lockdown. Almost the entire time I was at Susanville, I was on lockdown. I was reading Bell Hooks, We Real Cool, and The Will to Change, and just seeing how we could be freed and so much of the on the yard that I was so afraid of. Because again, there's only two options, fight and get struck out or don't fight and then get attacked for not fighting and get killed, possibly. So I was very aware of patriarchy. It was a life or death thing for me every day. It wasn't just an idea. It wasn't, you know, a philosophical debate. It wasn't about looking woke online. It was like feminism or death. <laughs> wow. Tracy Ellis Ross definitely was sharing stories that we don't hear from a lot of Americans. And that was a really good clip illustrating that. We're talking about podcasts of 2023 that you should listen to based on the recommendations of our guests, Ronald Young Jr., Sky Pillsbury, and Will Williams, and yours. You are listening to Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Let me go to Frank in Mill Valley. Frank, you're on. Hi, I would like to kind of go up to a 30,000 foot level but with a confession. I, I've never listened to a podcast. Huh. And I'd like to ask the panel, w- what is it about the format that so captures you? I mean, I read three newspapers a day and I'm, I'm trying to stay on top of things. I listen to NPR. And so the, the problem with a podcast for me is it's spoken and it's faster to read. But clearly, you folks are totally invested in the format. So so as opposed to an individual podcast, everything I've listened to you guys recommend sounds fascinating. But why is it that you are willing or eager to spend your precious time uh, on a on a spoken Whoa. modality that that, you know, gets yeah. in the way something not gets in the way. But you see what I'm driving. Yeah, I, I do. Sky, you wanted to jump in about what about the format draws you to it? Yeah, I mean, I would agree that it can be faster to read something, but I I think that that's what's wonderful about podcasts is that they're not necessarily fast. It's more like it's a it's a slow medium and it it impacts you differently. And I mean that quite literally. When you have say a noise canceling pair of headphones on and you're listening to someone speak to you about something that's meaningful. So when I'm listening to Ronald Young Jr. talk about grapple with issues around his own weight and around his feelings, that voice is funneled right into my brain and I feel like I am with Ronald in the same room having an intimate conversation with him, hearing his personal story. It is a completely different experience than it would be to read 
something about his feelings about his weight. It it impacts you almost, I want to say, physiologically. Like, I feel like the things that I listen to in my ears have a way of impacting me that is just different when I'm just reading words. Mm. Will, what about you? What about podcasts draws you in? Yeah, I, I want to push back on this idea of, of speed being, um, I think, incentivized. Would it not be faster to read than to watch a documentary or a TV series? Uh, podcasting is an art form. It is not just a delivery of information or news. I listen for the editing, for the sound design, for the voices, for the stories. Um, I, I love that you can listen to a podcast and do other things. Take a walk, do your dishes. Um, speed is just such an interesting thing to focus on to me. <laughs> well, if you do want speed, Triscat on Discord writes, I end every day with Make Me Smart. It's a quick news hit of Make Me Smile from the folks at Marketplace. All right, Ronald, I saved you for last since uh, you are so deep into making podcasts as well as listening to podcasts um, and hosting podcasts. What is it about podcasts that you love? I think for me, I, I just I've always been attracted to the way that stories are told in an audio medium. You know, I, I mentioned as a child listening to the radio, listening to radio stories. I even remember listening to things like This American Life when I was a lot younger and all things considered. And just being like, just like blown away that I could be driving and transported at the same time. Like mm. even, even if when I wasn't driving, when I was just listening as a kid, just in the back seat, I would just be transported to these worlds that I could see in my mind. And because someone was describing them or it was a radio play. Like I remember I used to listen to something on WAMU here in DC called the big broadcast and they would play, you know, Gunsmoke and Lemon Abner and Space Patrol and all of these like old shows from the forties and fifties that I would just be swept away and I, I could see them completely in my mind. And I, I just think that the power that this medium has to create worlds in your mind in, in, in a way that I was also a reader growing up and I used to create these worlds in my mind by reading them. But when I started to hear them and have someone kind of read me a story, it just, it, it's, it's so attractive and it's so uh, easy to listen to. It makes me feel good. And being able to create those worlds for other people is, it just feels like a huge honor. Yeah. Well, Ronald Young Jr., host of the podcast, Leaving the Theater and Wait for It. Definitely check those out. Senior producer and owner of Oh Hits Big Ron Studios. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. This has been great. Sky Pillsbury. Check out the Squeeze newsletter, which reports on the podcast industry. Thanks so much, Sky. It's been great to be here. Will Williams, they are CEO of Hug House Productions. Will, really appreciate your insights as always. Thank you. So happy to be here with all of you. It's so lovely just to talk to all of you again. And again, that list of recommendations from our guests and your recommendations will be on our webpage. This Hour Forum was produced by Caroline Smith. Mark Nieto is also a producer with us. Susie Britton is our lead producer. Ashley Eng and Marlena jackson Rotondo were our engagement producers this week. Francesca Fenzi is our digital community producer. Our engineers are Danny Bringer, Christopher Beale, and Brendan Willard. Our interns are Jericho Reininger and Emiko Oda. Our vice president of News is Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm Mina Kim. This is Forum. Have a great weekend. Funds for the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation, the Germanicos Foundation, and the Heising Simons Foundation. 
Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. All over the country, we need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.